This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, Episode 60. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. I'm here with my amazing purple-shirted podcast co-host, Chris Graham. How you doing today, buddy? Hey, I'm fantastic, Brian. How are you? How goes wedding preparations? It's going great. We have a good wedding planner. She's making it as stress-free as possible. We've had a few meetings with her. We've got the big stuff nailed down, ready to get started into the new year as we ramp up into the wedding. It's going to be stressful probably still as we get into it, but like so far it's been fine. That's awesome, man. How about you, man? What about you? What's going on with you? I'm in a good mood. So we mentioned on a previous episode that I'm working in a new business called homestudiolessons.com. Ooh, there's a plug. There's a plug. Yeah, there's a plug. Plug away, sir. I'm all about it. For those of you that didn't catch that before, homestudiolessons.com is the place to get one-on-one lessons from professional audio engineers. That's been great. We've got uh, 36 audio engineers uh, that we have in the system right now, and we're kind of getting them all acclimated and trained. Stuff has been going well with that. But in addition to that, I got an office outside of my studio to specifically work on home studio lessons stuff. Ooh, yeah, that's right. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. And it's been amazing because I'm sharing it with a husband and wife team. They have one office. I have another. And the husband, his name is Andy J. Pizza. What a name. Yes. What a name. It's a stage name. His real name is Andy J. Miller, but Andy J. Pizza has a podcast called Creative Pep Talk. And it is like the sister podcast of Six Figure Home Studio because it's designed for creatives and to just give them a pep talk to help them navigate where creativity and business intersect. And we have just hit it off in a big way. We were like brainstorming for his podcast the other day. And I was like, you should reach out to Seth Godin. He's got a book. Maybe he'd come on your show. And he freaking did. And it was really fun. So he video chatted into our office the other day and I set Andy up with a bunch of audio gear and I got to see Seth Godin on a computer screen live. (laughs) Nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Seth Godin is like the number one marketing thinker. Yeah, he's just been around since the 90s. He's like the OG online digital marketing like guru of the universe and everyone looks up to him. Yeah, and he's massively creative. He's massively outside of the box. He is not like... He's the guy that zigs when everyone else zags, basically. Yeah, he zigs Zigglers when everyone else oh, zags. Oh, zag, zagler. Uh, oh, God, that hurt. That probably went over almost everyone's head. It's so bad that we have to leave it in. Because the one person listening right now that got that awful reference is laughing. Everyone else is like, what? What is that? Zig Ziglar was a famous like motivational speaker and like sales expert in the 60s and 70s. And he was Seth Godin's mentor. Anyways, I'm great. So yeah, working on home studio lessons stuff in an office out of the house that's in a different headspace than where I'm mastering records. Yeah, that's great. And everything else has been really, really good. And I get free private creative pep talks from Mr. Andy J. Pizza. He's got like 2 million downloads on his podcast. Yeah, I saw he's got over 200 episodes. He is us in hopefully like a couple years. few years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an incredible dude. So yeah, we've been having a lot of fun. Nice. I'm all of a sudden in the mood for some pizza. Mm. Okay, so let's move into our topic for the day. Get away from pizza, pep talk, and into the topic. And that is building a kick-ass portfolio. This is going to be something that's going to be so important It's something I can't believe we haven't talked about. It's episode 60 now. We're just now talking about this. But in 2019, happy new year, by the way, 2019, (laughs) 
this is going to be the thing that either makes or breaks your business. You will not have a successful studio without a kick-ass portfolio. And if you have a kick-ass portfolio, it's going to be much easier to succeed this year. So let's talk about this today. Absolutely. So I would say you can be successful in a lot of interesting ways. There are many roads to a successful career. And a big part of that is leveraging your creativity to find a road no one else is using. That's a pretty good quote right there. <laughs> better better than I normally give. James is going to now put that in the quotes. He's like, oh, thank God I don't have to pick it today. It's literally, he just <laughs> picked it for me. For sure. So I cannot conceive of a road to success that does not involve a kick-ass portfolio. So let's break it down. What is a portfolio, Brian? Your portfolio is the music or audio. If you're a sound editor or sound designer or yeah. maybe a podcast editor, whatever it is that you do, it's your proof that you're good at what you do, essentially. Yep. It is your business card. But instead of it being a thing that everyone throws away, it's something that they go to to see if you're good at what you do. Case in point, would you rather have a degree in audio or a portfolio of amazing bands that you've worked with and then you can press play on your website and listen to work that you've done? What's going to get you more clients? What's going to help you have a career? Number two by far. Number two. Now, some people go through number one and then they get to number two. Yeah, that's totally fine. If I'm just picking between a degree and a kick-ass portfolio, I'm picking the kick-ass portfolio. This advice... The importance of the portfolio cannot be discounted. Yeah. You cannot underestimate the power of a portfolio. I can't think of a single situation where you can have a wildly successful business without any sort of portfolio, short of you just being a name that's been around for so long. But even then, the reason you have a name is your past work is your portfolio. So let's talk about real quick. Just Let's just give some reasons why you need a kick-ass portfolio. Well, I would say first and foremost, the beauty of a kick-ass portfolio in 2019, that's right, 2019, is that you can put that on a website and as people are finding that website or you're posting about it online and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you're asleep or you're eating or you're using the restroom and somebody's on your website listening to your work and they're deciding, wow, he or she is really good at this. I might hire them. So... Back in the day when you're running a business pre-internet, you had to like go around and promote yourself. You had to be such a self-promoter to be like, oh, can you listen to my demo tape? You know, like you had to do all this stuff to get your name out there. Now your website sits there and people can listen to all your work. It could be as simple as having a Spotify playlist that you post on Facebook and say, hey guys, here's a bunch of songs I've produced and or recorded and or mixed and or mastered, you know, whatever. In 2019, you have the ability to put your work out there in front of ears and eyeballs, and it can work for you. So you need a kick-ass portfolio because if someone just goes to your website and sees gear pictures, meh. If they go to your website and see like you're even nearby, like you're a convenient drive for them to go work with you, meh. They don't care, man. They want to know that you're going to do great work. Yep. And I kind of answered it earlier in the intro, but honestly, without your portfolio, there is no proof that you can actually do what you say you can do. Yep. There is no proof that you can fulfill on your promise that you are a mastering engineer. You're a talented mixing engineer. You're a great producer. If you don't have a portfolio, there's no proof. So no one will pay you. No one is going to hand over their songs or their money to someone that has not proof that they are good at what they do. So let's use an illustration from that. Let's say you're a painter and you want to sell paintings and someone comes to your website and none of your paintings are on it. What are they going to think about you? You know, if your website says Chris Graham painting, 
com. Master painter. Yeah. Buy my paintings. Is anyone ever going to hire me? Never. Or if somebody walks into the gallery and says, oh yeah, I like this. Uh, I'm maybe interested in buying a Chris Graham painting for some, this is crazy. This is insane. Like, oh, okay, cool. They're a thousand dollars each. Cool. Give me the thousand dollars and then I'll give you the painting before you see it. It's not going to work. You have to see the painting. It's like if you went to Amazon to buy artwork for your home and there's a thousand dollar painting on amazon.com with no photos attached of the painting. How stupid is that? Are you going to buy that painting? No, no one's going to buy that painting. The proof, the portfolio is the picture. And without that picture, without that picture that they can look at or listen to in our instance, they're not going to pay money. They're not going to hand over their hard-earned dollars and their creative work that they put their heart and soul into. So we've kind of talked about like what happens if you don't have any portfolio at all. I think that's obvious for a lot of people, maybe not for some, but most people understand you have to have a kick-ass portfolio of some sort. But what if, how do you know if your portfolio is bad, Chris? Like if you have songs already, you do have music on your website. How do you know if that portfolio is kick-ass or not? Well, that's a great question. I think the first and most important thing is knowing the type of friends that you have. Some types of people will be your best friend, but they'll never tell you the truth. They'll just be like, yeah, man, you're awesome. Oh, that sounds awesome, dude. Oh, way to go. They're just the constant, constant pats on the back. And they're not going to give you the tough love that you need. A real friend is going to look in the eye and be like, I love you, brother, but this song sounds kind of bad, man. You know, like those are the type of friends I want in my life. Someone willing to kick me when I'm up and I shouldn't be up. Well, I do think that's a super important part of any successful business is just having people around you who are willing to be honest with you. I think the number one way to tell if your portfolio is bad is no one hires you, period. If no one is hiring you, your portfolio is probably bad. This means that you have done the work to get your name out there. You have talked to people, you've reached out to people, you've had conversations with people, but people are going to listen to your portfolio in some way, shape, or form. They're listening to that portfolio and they're actively choosing no every single time. That is a good sign that your portfolio is bad. So I think I misunderstood your question here. I think that you need to know if your portfolio is good or bad before you put it out there. Don't build a website. Don't start pushing your stuff out until you know that your portfolio is good. In my opinion, the way that you know your portfolio is good is I would call this the eyebrow test. <laughs> Go out in your car or with your buddy and press play and say, yeah, this is a song I recorded or this is a song I mixed or this is a song I mastered and watch their eyebrows. Press play and don't pay attention to anything else. And if their eyebrows move, your portfolio is good. If they go up, you're in good shape. I love that. That's very clever. But I will say there's a point where it's so bad that their eyebrows will go up. Like that's so bad. It startled <laughs> me. My eyebrows shoot up. Ooh. Yeah. So that's going to send a mixed message to people. Use that technique with someone you yeah. trust to give you a real opinion. That's really the big thing is just have friends you can trust. Exactly. So make sure you've got a good portfolio and then get it out there. Yeah. This is the first mission. So I would say to somebody, if they came to me and said, hey, thank God it's not happened very often recently, but I used to all the time, people would be like, hey, you know, man, my cousin wants to go to audio school or hey, my son, I had a lady call me one time. I was like, my son is, wants to go to audio school and, and I was trying to get him an internship at your studio. <laughs> oh God. I remember you talking about that. That's the number one way to never get an internship is to have your mom calling around for you. Exactly. So my big thing, my advice to people is I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, if that's what you want to do, especially if there's no student debt involved, that's fine. Go for it. But record stuff, build your portfolio. 
All right, so let's move on and talk about how to actually build a kick-ass portfolio because you know if your portfolio is bad, you're probably not getting hired. If you don't have a portfolio at all, you know that's bad now because we've spent the last five, 10 minutes talking about why that's so bad. You now know you need a kick-ass portfolio and you are trying to build one, whether yours is currently bad and not kick-ass or whether you don't have one at all right now. So now let's talk about how to actually get a kick-ass portfolio. We have a few pointers here on different ways you can potentially build your portfolio. The first one being, and to me, the most obvious way, and that is to create your own portfolio. That's how I got my start. That's how you got your start as well, Chris, right? Yeah. I had a song called Not Alone that I recorded. Uh, I was like a singer-songwriter, and I showed that to people, and they hired me after the fact. And that was kind of how I got my first good projects. And there's a great story about how this can impact your life in a massive way. So I think one of the greatest actors of our time is Matt Damon. What? (laughs) Matt Damon. I got that. I'm just... Is one of the greatest actors of our time. And his story has a lot of application for us. So Matt Damon got his start. He was getting little parts here and there, nothing crazy. And then the movie Goodwill Hunting dropped. And he was like a mainstay of Hollywood after that. And the story behind Goodwill Hunting is very interesting. Matt knew that there was a certain type of character that he was just really equipped to play. And that type of character was somebody from the Boston area who went to Harvard, who was right from around that area. And here's the thing, Matt Damon went to Harvard. So what Matt Damon did is he created his perfect portfolio piece. He wrote the script with some other people as well for Goodwill Hunting and he starred in Goodwill Hunting because it was perfect for him. So he wrote it around his own strengths. Let me say that again because that's important. He wrote the movie around his own strengths as an actor. Yep, and that movie was a massive success because of that. Yeah, it was all downhill from there. Like he has just been movie after movie after movie because it showed off the best of the best of the best of what he could do. So I'm sure you guys are getting what I'm saying here. If you don't have a great portfolio, your best option might be to make your own that fits your skills and gifts perfectly. Yep. So my first portfolio contained three tracks. I recorded them myself and I had been in a heavy metal band up to that point for four or five years. And so my first portfolio consisted of three songs. One was a heavy music, like heavy metal. One was hard rock. And then one was like kind of like a more acoustic chill rock. And I will say that that third piece did nothing for me, but the first two are what landed my first gigs. So I played to my strengths. I created music that was best suited for what my talents, skills, abilities, and passions were. And this Matt Damon story is actually a perfect example of what happens when you do that. Well, because many people, you need to understand, many people that are looking to hire someone are trying to record themselves. And when you walk in, and this is just for your brand new in this industry, And if you've said, hey, look, I recorded myself and I did a really good job, people will want to hire you. Yep. So that's the first way. That's honestly the easiest way. If you have the ability and capability to create your own portfolio, that's honestly the best way to do it by far, especially if you're brand new. If you don't have the ability to do it yourself, maybe you're not a musician or maybe the style of music you really want to work on is not the style of music you play. For example, like I love jazz music, but I could never play that to create a portfolio. That's not the kind of music I'm ever going to go into, but just saying if that's you. Maybe the second point is more suited for you. And that is go to the people in your life who already know you, already like you and already trust you. Going back to that Matt Damon story, who was it that Matt Damon went to that was already a friend in his life to help him with that movie? 
Ben Affleck. Yeah. And look what happened with just the synergy between those two guys earlier in their careers when they were both pretty much nobodies when they were writing that together and working on that together. Yeah. Look at them now. They are both A-list actors 20 years later, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, and their big thing was like, well, we're from Boston, so let's make a movie about people from Boston. (laughs) Their competition was people not from Boston pretending to be from Boston. So- they're both really convincing in Boston roles. They've been in a number of movies that are very Boston-y and they're really believable. Is that a word, Boston-y? It is now. Copyright 2019. It sounds like working on plants. Botany. Botany. There we go. Botany. So look in your life. Look at some musicians you might know, people that you already have prior relationships to that also lend itself to your strengths. Like again, in my situation, if I was trying to build a jazz portfolio, I don't have the capability of doing that. I know a few guys that are in jazz that I could potentially tap into and work with me for free to build my portfolio. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So the people that you work with for free that already know, like, and trust you, many, many musicians have side projects. You know, they might be in a really good, successful band, but they've got some kind of side project that they've been working on. And those are perfect when you are trying to find portfolio pieces, because often the side project has no budget. It's purely a passion project. Doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it won't be the main thing someday for that artist. But those side projects are huge. And for me, that was a big spot where I got my start as a mastering engineer. As I went around and asked friends, you know, hey, I'm trying to build my mastering portfolio. Are you working on anything or do you know anyone that's working on anything that I could master for free? It could be something you've even like never released or, you know, something that you put on the shelf and haven't been working on for a long time. And uh, one of my friends, Seth Ernest, love that guy. He's freaking awesome. Lives down in Nashville near you. Was like, hey, yeah, I'm making a record for my wife for our wedding day. It's just something I'm making for her. You can master that if you want. And I did. I did a good job. And I put one of those songs on my player on my mastering website on chrisgrahammastering.com and let people listen to that to get an idea of like, oh, wow, yeah, that does sound bigger and warmer and punchier and the bass hits hard. And yeah, so that sort of thing there's just a wealth of people who are working on side projects by themselves, much more now than there were when I got my start. Everybody's got a home studio. Everybody could use help. And there's so many opportunities to say, I'm going to work with this person. But for those of you that, you know, might feel like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. My career is already sort of going pretty well. I'm already, you know, well on my way. Not necessarily. There's still an opportunity. If in your network, you have people that are working at a higher level than you are, to reach out and say, hey, you know, I'd love to work with you on something or, hey, can I do a free sample for you in some way? Big opportunity there to level up. This is a mistake that I see a lot of people make is they're getting paid well. And so they don't worry about updating their portfolio. They may have already had a few great artists on their portfolio. They haven't updated it in a while and they're getting good business, but the business they're getting isn't like that top tier artist. It's nothing that's moving the needle. It's just something that's paying the bills. and because they're getting so much money from this, what I call bill paying work, it's not really pushing their career forward. And they pass up on opportunities to work with really, really talented artists who probably can't afford them, or they're unwilling to do free or cheap work in order to update and build their portfolio and start really stair-stepping things. So I think that's really a very, very pertinent point to talk about. Even if you're at a high level, your portfolio can always be more kick-ass. Yeah. It can always be more kick-ass and you need to be constantly updating that as much as possible, especially in certain genres like pop where it changes so often. Yeah. So let me take a risk here. There are definitely videos you can find on YouTube of big wig people in our industry that'll be like, never, ever, 
ever do free work under any circumstances. Now, I would say a couple things there. No disrespect to anybody here, but I would say first and foremost, anytime someone tells me this is always the case, this is always true, or this is always false, especially in business, there's an opportunity to pause there and say, hmm, well, that might have always been true, but things are changing in our world really fast. There was no such thing as an iPhone when I was growing up. There was no such thing as the internet when I was growing up. There was no such thing as VCRs. You couldn't even record your television until I was like five or six years old. So our world's changing a lot. And what might have been great advice all the time is not always going to be great advice today. So the free thing, I'm not willing to say you should always be willing to do free work or you should never be willing to do free work. There might be a situation when it really makes sense and there might be a certain career path where it never makes sense. But you have to be willing to evaluate a changing marketplace to determine what's a sacred cow, what's something that we say, oh, you just have to do that, and that's something that we need to get rid of. So as the industry changes, and I don't think anyone would debate that it's changing really, really fast, you have to be open to creative solutions in order to move your career forward. And what works for one guy might not work at all for somebody else. This is true. This is why we constantly talk about that advice buffet that I don't know why we stuck with that, but that's just been our theme for our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We should just call our podcast, the advice buffet podcast. It's called the buffet because everyone's going to take something a little different from every episode. Some might take big portions. Some may take nothing from each episode. And we rarely ever say that this advice is a hundred percent true 100% of the time. We've said it a couple of times, but you should always pause and think about that when someone says that, because it may not be the case forever. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up 
will always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. Yeah. Well, and let me talk about why that is just real quick, because this is important. I'm sure many of you are like, ugh, free, ugh, rain, 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 warning lights. So here's the thing. If you want to rip someone else's career off, if you want someone else's exact career and you want to unseat them on the throne, then yeah, you should do almost all the things they did. But here's the thing. In business, all successful businesses with very, 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 very few exceptions, did something nobody else was doing. They had what's called a unique selling proposition. This is a big business term, USP. Sometimes I hear a unique value proposition, a similar thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, similar thing, exact same thing, unique value proposition. In order for someone to buy anything from you, you have to offer it something that nobody else is offering. And so the reason we do an advice buffet is for you to have a unique selling proposition, you have to select your own tools. You have to do it in a way nobody else is doing. This is not a podcast about here's how every single person that's successful got successful and the 10 steps that you can follow to do exactly what they've done. And then their clients will become your clients and they will die. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a thing, not in this industry or any other industry at least not since the industrial revolution has Mm -hmm. that ever been a thing. So this is about creating a unique selling proposition. That's how you build a six figure business. That's how you build a six figure home studio is you have to find something unique that you offer that nobody else does. I love all of that that you said. There's still one more way to look into building your portfolio into a kick-ass portfolio, either from scratch or whether you're not trying to update your stuff. And that is looking for stems. Now, before I get into this, let's talk about what stems are, Chris. Yeah. It's like the part of the plant that's like below the flat. Okay. We're done here. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. Happy hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Stems are the individual parts of mix. So I'll never forget when I was first getting into audio, I got on a torrent website and I broke the law. Ooh, admitted right here on the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. Chris Graham broke the law. I downloaded the stems to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. And I think it's one of the greatest songs of all time, but it's like all the individual tracks that they had. So like you can solo out the vocals, Bohemian Rhapsody's floating around out there. Well, this all like from the, what was the video game that had all the music on it? This is before, way before all that. I know a lot of those stems got released. So you could have like, there's so many top 40, top, you know, top hundred song tracks where you can get the multi-tracks for nowadays. Guitar Hero. Even Beatles stuff. You can get the stems and it's the, you know, on some of the older Beatles stuff, it's four audio files and it's the four tracks on their four track machine. Those are kind of hard to work with, but you know, you can find like eight track and 16 track, you know, of your favorite songs from back in the day. You can find modern songs where the artists have willingly released like, oh, we've got, you know, our kick drum track and our snare track and our vocal track. When you find stems like that, you can do remixes um, where you're actually changing the music. You can you can try to do the exact same mix to see if you can get somewhere in the ballpark, but there's all sorts of stuff you can do and it's really fun. 
Now, granted, this only works in certain services. So if you're doing full tracking, editing, recording, it's true. these stems aren't really going to do you any good. So you can kind of skip this section. But for those of you who are trying to do mixing, mastering, producing, where you might want to rearrange the song, or maybe you're doing electronic remixes or something, whatever that happens to be, if that is you, you can look for stems on the internet. And really, they're everywhere if you just look for them. There's also a lot of opportunities too. If you're like, my advice, if you're like, well, I want to be a session bass player. I want people to hire me on my, you know, joeplaysbass.com or whatever. Get a bunch of stems and be like, hey, this is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, but I'm playing bass on it. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do. That's a great resource for those of you who are doing remote instruments. So if you're a remote drummer, remote bass player, remote guitar player, taking those stem tracks and then re-recording your own versions of it, like your own drum take for a classic song, recording a video of that, putting it on the internet, and that's a piece of content that will help bring you work because you are putting a new spin on an old song. So there's a lot of different ways this can go, but just look for stems that you can use to build your portfolio. And a lot of these are going to be much higher quality than you could ever do on your own at your level. It's true. Some of this is advice for myself as well. I have built a very healthy mastering business, but there definitely is stuff I could be doing to be more aggressive to reaching out to hiring producers to say, hey, let me give a song you've previously released that I could master a sample for. Well, that's one that we didn't really talk about is actually going and talking to other studios, other producers to getting stems from them. Back in my day, I couldn't use this for my portfolio, but just for practice, I would trade stems of active projects with a few producers. That's cool. And this is probably against a lot of laws and rules, but we would actually see what we were, each of us were doing in our sessions because we were just like an open book. I would send him a fully mixed session in Pro Tools. He'd open it up and see every EQ thing I did, everything I was doing to the drums. And he would do the same for me because we liked each other's mixes. And that was a good way to help build skills. But you can also go to experience guys like myself or any other studios and see if you can get something they already mixed or already mastered and try to work on that yourself. That's another way to build a portfolio. Yeah, that's a really cool thing, man. I really wish that I had had a relationship with other people that were, when I was mixing songs, to be able to swap stuff back and forth. When I was doing it, nobody else... I was so niche Like I was using weird plugins and weird software. You were trying so hard to be unique. Yeah, too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Everyone, I think everyone does that at least one point in their careers. Yeah. All right, well, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about, let's just say you do manage to get a portfolio built. What do you do now? How do you use this portfolio? How do you actually utilize this kick-ass portfolio to your advantage? Yeah, so that's a really, really, really important next step here. So- Having a portfolio is great, but it's also worthless unless you then go out and promote your portfolio. So this is really, really important. I think we talked about this a lot on the podcast on many episodes, but one of the lies that we believe is the most toxic in our industry is this idea that if you build it, they will come. That all you have to do is be passionate, make some beautiful art and just put it on the internet and you'll wake up the next morning and millions of people will have listened to it. That does happen sometimes, but not very often. And even when it does, just because you made one viral piece of content doesn't mean the next piece of content you make is going to go viral too. Yep. And episode one of the podcast talks about this in great detail. If you remember that, Chris, that was... It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. And so once you have your portfolio, you have to get it out there whether that's sending it to friends, whether that's making posts, whether that's sharing it in forums and asking for feedback. I see that a lot in a lot of the Facebook groups is that people, and this is kind of cool, it's self-promotion, but it's the most softball style of self-promotion, which I love, is people will say, hey, you know, just release my website. I see people do this in our community. Hey, I'd love some feedback. That's great. They're going to get feedback, which is awesome, but they're also going to get people that are like, hmm, 
I might want to work with this guy someday. And that's great. They're not being like a tool about it. They're being constructive in the community. One of the biggest things to understand when you're trying to get your portfolio out there, and one of the biggest mistakes I see time and time and time and time again of people is trying to work with or trying to get their name in front of people that are out of their league. I'm trying to say this in the nicest way possible. It'd be like Chris Graham, when he just started out trying to reach out to Paul McCartney to master his tracks. There's just this massive mismatch between skill and experience and clout between the two of those people. And so I just think there is an art to stair-stepping your portfolio in a way that makes sense. Because if you were trying to reach out to people that are well above your weight class, way above your level, you're going to completely flop most times. Now, there is something that comes with having the gall to go out there and take steps towards getting people to work with you that are you know, maybe above your level. But I'd say nine times out of 10, people mess this up in a massive way. So I think there's a story here or an illustration here to talk about here. Absolutely. So this moves into our next section, which is the pitfalls to building a kick-ass portfolio. And there's going to be a link in the description. So I'm going to talk about a YouTube video that I want you guys to go and watch. It's very short. It's less than a minute. This video is a video of something called geometric dominoes. A couple of weeks ago in the podcast, Brian recommended that I read. Actually, no, that was after we recorded. But Brian recommended a book called The One Thing that is absolutely wrecking my life right now. <laughs> I love it. And it's one of these books. I talk about this in the podcast a lot too, but it's one of these books that I'm reading and I'm like, dang, got it. Chris, why didn't you read this when it came out? However many years ago, you fool. The opportunity cost of not reading that book has been huge, right? Huge. Yeah. yeah. I would be in a much, my business would be bigger now than it is if I had read that book when it came out, which I'm not sure when that was, but definitely years ago. So in the book, I forget the author's name. Sorry. <laughs> the author talks about something called geometric dominoes. And we've got a link to that in the description of, of what geometric dominoes look like. Geometric dominoes aren't just all the same size. Geometric dominoes get bigger. Each domino is 150% the size of the previous domino. And the illustration goes, if you set up a teeny tiny, like one centimeter tall domino, and the next domino is a centimeter and a half, and the next domino is, I can't do the math, but bottom line, each domino gets bigger and bigger and bigger until all of a sudden the last domino is the size of the Empire State Building you can knock over that first domino that's a centimeter tall and you can imagine what happens. Eventually, a domino the size of the Empire State Building falls over and smashes something. Yeah. And that's how successful careers are built. And when you're building your portfolio, it's very similar to that. You're trying to get, what's the first portfolio piece I can get that will leverage me into a project that will be a better portfolio piece that will leverage me into another project that'll be an even better portfolio piece and so on and so forth. That's how successful careers are built. If you are Chris Graham day one, his early in his career, trying to reach out to Paul McCartney, that's essentially like a one centimeter domino trying to knock over an empire state building size domino. Yeah. Here's the thing. When you're in a situation, when you're trying to build a partnership or get a yes from somebody, that happens in a very quick instant, just like those dominoes falling, but they need to glance at your portfolio and say, oh yeah, this kid's for real. Wow. He's good okay, let's give him a shot. Even if it's just, yeah, we'll give him one of the, in my case, we'll give him an unmastered mix of the next, whatever, Ariana Grande song, and we'll see what he can do. It's no risk to us, but we're at least willing to give him the time of day. Every single studio in every band I've ever been a part of, the reason we chose the studio we chose is because of the portfolio of that studio. Yep. That has been the case every single time. 
It's so damn important. It's so important. So important. So take some time after this episode's over. Click the link in the show description and you can see this video. It's less than a minute, but when you visualize and see what it would look like if you started with a one centimeter domino and you worked your way up to Empire State size, it's insane. And it really helps this sort of domino, this stair-stepping thing to really click. It blew my mind and I showed my kids when I saw one of these YouTube videos the first time. I've watched like 10 of them. There's like all sorts of different geometric domino videos on the internet. So when we're talking about pitfalls, things that get in the way of you building a kick-ass portfolio, I think it's worth mentioning one mistake I see is when we started talking about earlier when you're building your portfolio to go to the people in your life who already know you, already like you, already trust you. When we're talking about that, it's easy to start taking advantage of people with one-sided relationships. It's all take, 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 never any give. There's been no reciprocity built. There's been no social currency built up between you and that other person. You're just the person that's always asking to take something from that person. And if that is you, it's going to be very difficult for you to build a portfolio with anyone that already knows you, likes you, and trusts you because they don't really like you and trust you. They just know you. And if that's the case, that's going to be really, really hard to do. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. This is intense. The flip side of that is also true. If the people that you have built your portfolio from, if you've communicated to them, I'm the guy who does free work, they will never be good clients. They'll be awful clients. So you have to communicate when you're doing this sort of thing of, hey, you know, I really believe in what you're doing. I'd love to do a free sample for you. I don't normally do this sort of thing or I do it in this context for me. I do free mastering samples every day. I set aside time every day at the end of the day, I do free mastering samples. But my policy is I'll only do one per artist. So if somebody comes back and is like, yeah, well, we have a song. Can you do our second song as a sample? No. 100% of the time, there's a hard no on that. I've got boundaries there. So the free work is a great tool, but only so long as you have boundaries and you've communicated them like a grown-up at the onset and said, hey, I can only do this the one time. This is a special situation. And I would think in many cases, it's even a good idea to send them an invoice with the number zero on the bottom to say like, this was $1,000. I gave you $1,000 off. You owe me nothing, but here's the invoice. Just so you know, like the difference here was I gave you this discount. I'm not saying I'll give you the discount in the future, but if you try to do the portfolio thing based on free work, it might work really, really well. But if you set the expectation that you're the free guy, that's going to be very uncomfortable for you. And I know many of you listening are like, oh, that's why my friend Bob is a dick now. <laughs> it's, it's because you've communicated, you've marketed yourself as I'm the guy who records for free. And that doesn't go well. You have to set those boundaries up front. You have to be willing to be an adult and look him in the eye and say, hey man, I can't wait to work on this song with you. But just FYI, this is the only song I'll be able to do for free. I think that really goes into our next pitfall really well. And that is the opposite of that, which is trying to charge money too soon. So if you are someone that's just starting out or someone that is trying to get their portfolio built, if you try to go straight for the kill, straight for the dollar that early on before you've proven yourself, before you've had a good portfolio in place, it's going to be really difficult to really get any traction going. And traction and momentum is really the key to making this all work. If you're just going straight for, I need the dollars right now, I'm not willing to put in the work. I'm not willing to do some free stuff to get my career started, to get my portfolio built. If that's you, this is going to be also difficult, just as hard as it is for the person who always does free work. Yeah. So when we see people in the community that post like, ah, you know, I haven't been able to get any customers. I would bet that 90% of the time or more, it's because their portfolio isn't very good. I would say like, that would be my first instinct of like, oh, your portfolio probably isn't very good. You say 90, I think it's probably more like 90. 
98.598%. It's a really high number. I was being conservative. Yeah. In all truth, I would completely agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's like 98, 99% of the time. If your portfolio is awesome, you're going to be able to find some people that are going to want to work with you if you've chosen a niche that's not like super esoteric. Like, well, I only do Spanish death metal, poetry, electronica. If your genre is more than five words and your portfolio is amazing, yeah, you might have you might have a hard time making it in a niche where the entire size of the niche is like $10,000 worth of work is done globally. So what? Who wants to be the king of a hill that small? So yeah, I mean, you got to consider those things, but yeah, portfolio is the solution to many, many business problems in this industry. Yeah. So just to wrap this thing up, I think that this is one of the most common problems I see. I can't believe that it took us 60 episodes to get to this. <laughs> but honestly, this is going to be one of the biggest game changers in your business once you figure out how to build a kick-ass portfolio. And until you do that, good luck. Yeah. So one other side piece, Brian, I have been so surprised at how many people listen to our podcast. It's blowing my mind. Yeah. So the podcast has grown every single month. And if you look at a growth chart, it's like a Silicon Valley startup. <laughs> yeah. You got that nice- Silicon Valley. It's pronounced silicone. silicone. Yeah. For those of you who listen to this podcast regularly, <laughs> you will remember the time that Chris said wholeheartedly- with Silicon silico- Valley. Yeah. With full confidence, Silicon Valley. Yep. Referring to Silicon Valley. Actually, my fiance said that too recently. <laughs> I'm going to throw her on the bus there. She's great. She's, she's great. great. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I guess my reason for saying that is just thank you, guys. We are, yeah. at this point, by the time you're listening, we're probably, what, like 175,000 downloads? Mm-hmm. So that's bananas. The fun part is I randomly get people reaching out to me on like mostly Instagram. I get like a thank you note, like pretty much every day. I got one today, actually. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to us on Instagram and connect, especially if you're tweeting really gear slutty tweeting <laughs> I'm so old. If you, especially if <laughs> if your Instagram is primarily like audio stuff, Twitter's and studios, dead. Chris. Twitter's dead. Yeah, don't follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, Chris underscore Graham, C H R A S underscore G R A H A M. Brian, what's your Instagram handle? Brian H zero zero D. So Brian Hood, but the O's are zeros. Amazing. But don't send me any gear slutty stuff because I'll block you. Um, I'll follow you, but only if you have enough gear slut pictures. <laughs> we couldn't be any more different in that department, Chris. It's true. And if you have headphone reviews on your Instagrams, I will. Mm. Oh, man. Just for our listeners right now, if you want to know the way to Chris Graham's heart, send him some sort of headphones. He'll love any sort of headphones, but especially if they're like expensive, nice high-end headphones or some sort of obscure brand that no one else has. Yep. That is like, if I wanted to... Get mentioned on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send me some headphones or a headphone amp or a digital to analog converter, oh which gosh. I can use with, with said headphones. And I'll mention you on the podcast. You're like those people who get Instagram famous and then they have a link to their Amazon wish list in their Instagram profile. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah. Oh, that's my new dream. Yeah. So people just send you free stuff. Funny story, and we've never done post-episode banter before, so this is a new, a whole new, a whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. Yeah. This is a whole new world here. Um, I don't even know where the hell I was going with this. <laughs> what were we talking about just now? Mail time, Instagram, Amazon, wish list. Yeah, in China, apparently 54% of children between the ages of like 8 and 15 
what they want to be when they grow up is a quote influencer. They want to be an influencer. What? 54% of Chinese children and teenagers. What does that even mean? Influencer. Someone on Instagram who like posts travel photos and has millions of followers. Oh my God. That's a real thing. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real thing. And now everyone wants to be an influencer. No one wants to be a police officer or a fireman or like my childhood. I wanted to be a garbage man until I learned what a fireman was and that I could ride on the back of the fire truck instead of the back of the garbage truck. Ooh, yeah. So really moving on up there. Graham Cochran mentioned that when he was on the show about how he never imagined he would be as successful as he is. He's an influencer. That's essentially what Graham does for a living to great success. And yeah, that's amazing. Well, anyways, it's been interesting for Brian and I. We've started to get free stuff as a result of the podcast too. So if you got free stuff and you want us to uh, see it. We're officially whoring ourselves out now. Yeah, man. Oh, <laughs> all I ever wanted in, ever was free stuff that made noise. So if you want to send us something, software, mastering software, plugins, you know, whatever, please reach out. And if we think it's awesome, we'll definitely mention it on the show. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. Quick side note, for those of you who are going to be at Winter Nam in a few weeks, hit us up. Me and Chris are going to both be there the 24th through the 28th of this month. We'll be in the Anaheim, LA area. So if you are a studio owner or you run marketing for a brand or something and you just want to get in touch with us or meet up with us or anything, um, or if you just want to hang out, just be our friend, email podcast at the sixfigurehomestudio.com or just hit up Chris and I on Instagram and let us know that you'll be there. And uh, we're going to try to figure out some sort of meetup for the Six Figure Home Studio people. We don't know when or where it's going to be. We don't have any official stuff for that yet, but keep an eye or an ear out for that on the podcast or our mailing list. And we'll have more info on that as we get it. Next week's episode is all about fear and what that does to hold us back. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, doesn't matter what you've done. Fear has 100% held you back at some point, and it's probably holding you back from doing something that you know you need to do right now, but you cannot make yourself do. So Chris and I dive deep into this, and we talk about some really helpful things on what you can do to help overcome that and get past that. This is probably one of our most impactful episodes. It may not be one of our most popular episodes, but it'll definitely be one of our most impactful. Uh, so if you can stomach it, tune in next week, bright and early, Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., and that episode will be live. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time, happy hustling. Whoa.